Unity Community of Central Oregon's podcast featuring Reverend Jane Hyatt. Well, good morning. Obviously, Jane is not here today. She's uh, off at a conference of uh, Unity Ministers. And as you all know, she's been leading us through a series of seven talks on our quantum powers. She used the, um, the chakra system of the human body and the colors of the rainbow as kind of a framework for describing these powers. I don't know about you, I've got a lot out of her talks, but some of the challenges I've had on a Sunday morning has been to find the right color shirt to fit what we've been doing. But today was not a problem because I've got two purple shirts. The other one's a bit warmer than this. However, it's more of a sweatshirt that my granddaughter gave me, and it's a very nice colored purple, but it also has some white letters across the chest, something about that school up in Seattle that she's attending. And I thought maybe it might be better if I didn't wear that for this particular service. So we get this one. Anyway, uh, today's talk uh, is to help us understand why we have these quantum powers and how we might use them. I'd like to begin by telling you a story. It goes back about 35 years. I was driving a young woman home from work. She was a good family friend, so I knew something about her background. Like a lot of young women in that day, maybe still, I don't know, she had trouble with relationships. No problem attracting men for her, but it would seem like relationships would grow and expand and become meaningful and powerful. She'd open her heart and then the bottom would fall out and she'd get heartbroken. And she'd gone through this process more than once. And I was aware that she had recently, in fact, probably was at that moment still going through a a difficult breakup. But I wasn't really prepared for what happened next. We got to her house. She thanked me for the ride. And then she turned to me and she said, I want you to know I'm planning on committing suicide tonight. Well, I was totally shocked. She said, I I just can't take it anymore. I can't do it. It's just too hard. The ups and the downs, the pain. I just cannot find any meaning or purpose in continuing to go through all this. And then she looked me in the eye and she said, you're a minister. You're supposed to have the answers. Can you give me a reason for living? Can you tell me why I should continue to go on? What's the purpose in all of this anyway? Well, we spent some time talking and kind of got over the immediate crisis. And then I turned to her and I said, you know, you're asking what probably is one of the most significant questions any of us can ask. And I don't have a ready answer on the top of my head to give you. I said, but if you'll promise to hold off on the suicide for a while and let me work on it, I'll see if I can't come up with something that will make a difference for you. Can you do that? 
She said, okay, I'll give you till tomorrow morning. <laughs> so come back and give me an answer. Well, <laughs> yeah, no pressure. <laughs> so that night I went into the study and meditated for some guidance and the immediate thing that came to my mind was a quote from that French Jesuit priest, Teilhard de Chardin. Some of you probably are familiar with it. He said, we're not human beings who occasionally have a high spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings who are living a human experience, which we call a lifetime. And as I reflected on that, I realized that we have a variety of human experiences in a given lifetime. Some of them we call good, some of them we call bad, some of them maybe are indifferent, but they all have one common characteristic. They're all temporary. They come and they go. Whatever they are, good, bad, or indifferent, they pass away and others come on. And yet we remain because somehow as spiritual beings we are greater than any of the particular human experiences we might be having. I was able to remind her that even at a relatively young age, she was in her 30s, I would guess, at that time, that she'd already had a number of challenging experiences in her life, endured a lot of pain, and yet she was still there. She was a survivor. Wounded, maybe, but still there because she was greater than any of those human experiences. And if she could simply remember who she was when she got in the midst of difficulties, she would find again that depth of awareness that would strengthen her and allow her to get through it. Well, as I was looking at this talk, I remember that that's what Robin and Jane told us last week when they talked about prayer, if you'll remember. They said, you know, sometimes we get in difficult human situations and that's when we call on affirmative prayer. We don't ask for some magical help from outside. We just ask to be reminded who we are. Who are we? And get in touch with that power that's at the depth of our being. That's our second unity principle. We are all expressions of God. Children of the divine. We're not separated from that power. It's part of the core of our being. So we can say, spirit is not something that we kind of have and tap into every so often. Spirit is who we are. That's the essence of our being. So I was able to share that with her, but I knew enough about this lady to realize that would never be enough. Because the next question she would ask me, and sure enough she did, was, okay, if we're these wonderful, powerful, spiritual beings, why do we have this human experience? Why do we bother? Why do we go through all this? What's the purpose of it? So I still had some work to do. Well, I came up with four insights that seemed to be helpful to her, and I'd like to share those with you. 
The first reason I think we spiritual beings choose to have a human experience is to learn how to give and receive love. Now I want to express that love is not just an emotion. To me, it's the fundamental energy that underlies everything on this planet. You just said it in our affirmative prayer. Do you remember what you said? What's the first line? Love is the ultimate reality. You said it. That's the key. Love is the ultimate reality. To me, it, it's, it's that mysterious attractive energy that causes a positively charged nucleus to be attracted to a negatively charged electron and come together and make an atom and then come together and make molecules and cells and create the very physical structure of the planet on which we live. It's how our bodies are formed. It's that attractive building energy. If it wasn't there, nothing physical would be held together. It's the magical power that causes human beings to come together to connect and literally create new life. It's the commitment energy that causes all of us to come together and create a community and pool our resources to achieve a common goal. Love is fundamental to everything that goes on in the planet. The problem is, if we look at life only from the standpoint of our human experiences, we won't get that. We'll never get that. Because love is not something that you can deal with intellectually. It's something you have to experience. That's why in our mission statement, which we said also earlier this morning, remember? We said we embody love. We didn't say we teach people about love. We said we embody love. We create the environment and offer the opportunity for people to experience this fundamental divine energy. And people come through that door and they say, wow, there, there's something about you people. You seem to care about one another in, in a way that's a little different than what I'm used to seeing. I kind of like what I'm feeling here. And so as we embody and that love, we allow people to experience it and grow into it. So they're able to make decisions in their own life to choose love, to connect instead of be afraid and separate. And when we're able to do that, any of us, then our lives get better. And they seem to go with the flow of the universe instead of against it. I also reminded her of something that was an issue I knew in her life, maybe it's in yours as well, and that is, we also have to learn how to receive love. All too often people will reject acts of kindness and help, maybe out of pride or some kind of false sense of self-sufficiency. But when we do that, what we're basically doing is refusing to allow other people to express this fundamental love energy. When we're able to be 
vulnerable and open and receptive to help from others, we actually encourage the flow of love in our planet. And so, as spiritual beings living a human experience, if we can get to the point where we see every single human encounter we have as an opportunity to give and receive love, that's where we want to be. And it doesn't have to be some great grandiose thing. It can be something as simple as a smile, a kind word, a pat on the back, a hug, a handshake, anything that says, I would like to connect with you instead of separating because I'm afraid of what might happen. Learn how to build and connect. That's the basis of love energy. Well, the second insight I got for her was that we're here to develop our potential. Now, my understanding of what, we, what happens is when we spiritual beings are on the other side preparing to enter a human lifetime, we take some time to look at things. We sit down with wise elders and ask for advice. What should I do with this life I'm preparing for? What kind of issues do I want to address? What kind of experiences do I want to have? And we look at the equipment that we need to take into that lifetime. And we choose, what, what gender shall I be? What race shall I be? What location on the planet shall I have? Who will my parents be? All this is the equipment that we have when we enter a human experience. We also look at the challenges we might want to engage in. And we ask, what kind of gifts and talents do I need in order to effectively carry out this life? We might even consciously choose limitations in order to best equip us to deal with what is on our plate. My point is that when we spiritual beings choose to enter a human lifetime, it's not a casual thing. We spend some time and some consideration and we plan out the basic framework that we want to accomplish. That's my understanding. And I realize that most of the things that we unfold, most of the potential we develop, comes as a result of dealing with challenge. That seems to be the nature of human existence. Well, consider how we feel when we're able to successfully deal with a challenge. Take our musicians. How does it feel when you work really hard and you finally master a difficult piece and you perform it well? That sense of accomplishment that you get is difficult to get from anything else. For those of you that are teachers, how does it feel when you finally begin to break through to that troubled student and they, they kind of get it and you see them begin to turn their life around? Or any of us as parents, how does it feel when your child grows to become a functioning adult? Wow, we did it. And it's that feeling of satisfaction and fulfillment that says to me, yeah, that's part of why we're here. 
And even though sometimes the challenges are tough, sometimes we don't accomplish what we want to, it's okay. There really is no such thing as failure here. Simply learn, okay, that's not the way I want to do this. The next time I experience that issue, I'll adjust and I'll do a better job. And hopefully we get to the point when we look back on the difficult times of our life and we say, you know, painful as it was when I was going through that, I have to admit that it really was an opportunity for growth and I'm a better person for having done it. That's when we know what it's like to unfold our potential, to carry out our mission in life. The third thing that came to my mind for her was we're here to be of service to others. I think it's the beginning mark of spiritual maturity when we somehow recognize life is not just about me. Yeah, I want to grow, I want to become, I want to do all these wonderful things. But why do I do it? To be of service to others, to make a difference in their lives, to make the world a better place in which to live. And I think we get that awareness only when we recognize our oneness with everyone and everything. It's all one. And when we get that understanding, we, we love our neighbor, so to speak, because our neighbor is us. There is no separation. When, that, when we grok that, so to speak, then service Reaching out to others is not a chore. It's not an obligation. It's not something we mark off. It's simply the way we live our lives because that's who we are. Some of you today might say, well, that's all well and good, but you know, we live in troubled times and there's a lot of people I know, even experience, whose lives seem to be based on fear and separation and hate and evil, how do I serve them? Do I fight back, call them on it, make it go away? You, you probably have heard the, the phrase, what we resist persists. That's one that's fairly common. It's very true. Because when we fight back evil and give back the same stuff, all we're doing is giving them more energy to continue to do the same kind of thing. So the secret is to take it to a higher level, to rise above, to take that high road and to express love and kindness and compassion and goodwill, especially when it looks like it's not deserved. It's tough, but that's the way to make a difference because you see the people that are living life like that, what they're really saying is, I don't know how to live. I'm scared to death about life and so I'm a selfish, fearful person. Can you show me a better way? And that's where we come in. Yeah, we can if we've learned how to live ourselves. 
So when you look at the troubles that we're going through in our world today and you're inclined to say, gee, how are we ever going to get out of this? Who's going to come and deliver us from all these problems we're experiencing? Who's going to make a difference here? The answer is you are. You are the ones you've been waiting for. You're the ones that can do it. That's part of why we're here, to take it to a higher level. The last thing I got that was helpful to her was that life is not intended to be dreary and difficult. It's intended to be joyful. And I reminded her that joy is not the same thing as happiness. Happiness comes to us when some good thing happens out there. Somebody gives us a gift or something like that, and it gives us a momentary lift, and we say, oh, yeah, this is great. But it goes away. It goes away. Joy is a permanent awareness that bubbles up from within us, and it's based upon the absolute confidence that we are one with divine reality. Again, to quote Teilhard de Chardin, he said, you may have heard this one too, joy is the most infallible sign of the presence of God. Think about that. So you want to know, gee, how am I doing at this business of being a spiritual being, trying to live a human experience? How, am I doing a good job of it? How much joy are you experiencing? How much deep awareness is there that no matter what's going on out there, I'm connected with the divine and nothing can ever separate me from that? How many of you read the daily word? What was the word yesterday? Joy. Yeah. Go back and read it again if you need to. And it told us that it was an expression of our divine nature. It's that absolute assurance that nothing can separate us from the divine. Well, I'm happy to share with you that I guess it was two or three years ago, Barb and I were able to spend some time with the lady in the story. She's now grown into being a grandmother and had her significant other and all those wonderful things. She had put it together and made life work. And it felt good to see that. So what's going on with this thing we call life? How do we get a hold of it? Remember, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. We chose this lifetime. And there are maybe four things that we need to do to make the most of it. We need to learn how to give and receive love. Be Not because that's a nice thing to do, but that's the fundamental energy that this planet is all about. It's more basic than gravity. We're here to develop our potential because we made some choices about what we wanted to accomplish in this lifetime. Those, some skills, some abilities some limitations perhaps, in order to do that. Unfold that potential. Be all you can be.
<laughs> the military had it right in that one. Sorry, didn't No, you, you got it. The other is to recognize that we're here to be of service to others. That's the mark of spiritual maturity to see that life is about more than just me. I can make a difference. I can take the high road. I can demonstrate what it means to live a human experience as a spiritual being. And the payoff is that deep awareness that I am one with the divine. I can be joyful and nothing can ever separate me from that. Perhaps um, the words of Jesus uh, can summarize all this in the best way. They're a little old-fashioned in a sense, but I think you'll get the meaning. He said, you are the light of the world. You, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a lamp and put it underneath a bushel. Instead, they put it on a lampstand so it gives light to the whole house. So let your light so shine among men that they might see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So may it be. <laughs>